I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, January 5th, 2020, and this is episode 49 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is that I went top rope climbing again for the first time in six months. <laughs> if you've been following along my my journey of my wrist injury, um, just a quick recap for anyone who's new. I started rock climbing about two and a half years ago. It's my favorite thing in the world. I injured both of my wrists in June and I've been in physical therapy. I'm about to graduate from, <laughs> from physical therapy. I think they call it being uh, discharged, but I'm going to call it graduating. And um, I've been worried about belaying with top rope climbing, which is when you... Um, your partner is climbing, they're on the wall, and you are responsible for their safety by managing their rope. And I needed to, you know, I had been practicing my climbing um, on my own, bouldering by myself. But my favorite thing to do is top rope climbing because of reasons. <laughs> so my uh, climbing partner had contacted me. She, she was checking in with me periodically about like, oh, are you climbing again? And I'm like, no, not yet. And then unfortunately, she was in a bad car accident about three months ago. And so she was out of commission for a while. Um, so we were both kind of recovering at the same time. So when I went back this week, it was only her third time back in the climbing gym. So we're both kind of restarting um, from scratch, actually earlier than scratch. I'm climbing routes that are, are easier than the ones I started when I, when I was a beginning climber, just because I know I need to take it really easy. What's interesting is that my climbing partner, um, you know, she's climbing easier routes too. She had, uh, I believe she said she fractured her knee, which I think is amazing that she's back in three months because I know if I fractured my knee, it'd be two years the way my body works. And this is a 60 year old woman, people. She is seriously, she's super inspiring. And I think she's just hardy, you know, her bones are just hardy. Anyway, she was saying that she, because of, I guess climbing easy climbs and not having the difficulty, she's not really enjoying it the same way that she had before, which is not the same for me, even though I'm doing super easy climbs. Um, if you're familiar, I'm down to five sixes and five sevens. And when I started climbing, I was climbing five eights, basically. And when I got injured, I was doing 11 A's, and, uh, which is you know, way far down the line. So, but even though I'm, I'm relegated to, you know, taking it super easy, uh, I still love it. I still love being on the wall. And even, and because I'm so out of shape, <laughs> the, the easy climbs are actually appropriate. You know, I was breathing hard when I came down from a climb that I, I would have, you know, raced up six months ago. But, you know, that's to be expected as I'm, I have to regain my strength and regain all of it and really focus on not re-injuring myself. And a cautionary tale, there's, there's another woman that we climbed with who had hurt her shoulder last year. And um, my partner was telling me that she had come back once or twice and she had done too much and re-injured her shoulder. And I was like, oh gosh. So she was like, yeah, definitely take it easy because you do not want to be in that position. But I I feel it. I'm sore everywhere. <laughs> this is like still four days later, but I still love it. And it's still my favorite thing to do, my favorite exercise thing to do. And so I'm glad that I can get back to it, even in a diminished way, and slowly work back to my strength. And 
yeah, it just makes me happy. And I hope my partner finds her joy back in it again. She says she's not going to quit. She's going to keep going. And I think that's probably what she needs. It is difficult when you when you enjoy the challenge of it and working up to your limit and trying climbs that you're not good enough to do yet and failing at them and then eventually being able to succeed at them. I mean, that's part of the the great thing about the sport. But, you know, getting injured is part of, of sports too. And so making sure that you can come back. And I think there's all kinds of metaphors for all kinds of challenges in life, but I will spare you my, uh, my TED Talk. So yes, that was wonderful. Um, New Year's, I guess New Year's happened. Our New Year's are always quiet, New Year's Eves. I don't like being on the roads. I Ever since I was a kid, um, my parents would go out and my grandmother would always come over for New Year's Eve. And so that was our tradition. We would stay up late. We would watch Dick Clark. We would watch the ball come down and we would toast at midnight with our sparkling cider. And so for me, that's just how New Year's should be. I might have gone to one New Year's party ever in my life and, you know... I'd rather be home. So now, nowadays, um, I just flip through, flip through the channels and watch all the New Year's shows. And when they go to commercial, go to the next one and see who's performing. Wait for the ball to drop. We still toast with our cider. Um, neither my husband and I drink. And uh, then we go to bed. <laughs> so that's what I did for New Year's. And it was lovely. Writing update. In planning for 2020, I am taking a look at my deadline and backtracking to see, okay, where do I need to be? And so I've added a new page to my planner, which is a quarterly calendar. So basically just shows one quarter at a time on one one page. And I use a half letter sized planner. So it just works well for me because I can print it out myself and, and cut it and have a little hole punch for my disc bound planner. And so I have, since the, the, new de- the new date for the book is April, I'm just working backwards to see how much I have left and the milestones that I need to hit in order to make that date and still have someone read. I am determined that I will have an, you know, beta readers for this book because it really needs it. This book is really difficult. I definitely think that I'm a better writer now than I ever have been. And I've been, you know, pushed for the past couple of years to write more quickly and uh, more cleanly than ever before. But this is still, I'm still struggling with this book. And I'm, I'm in a good place now. I just know that there will probably, you know, there will probably be more struggles ahead before I'm done with it. But right now, I'm, I'm in a good place every day. I'm getting the scenes done. I'm feeling good about the scenes. I've made, made big changes from the fast draft of the scenes that I'm working on now. But it's good. You know, that's the thing I love about fast drafting and then coming back to it uh, a little bit later to do the the revision and the editing is that I can see what I was trying to do and I can see where it didn't work. And then coming back at it, I'm like, oh, well, what if I did this? And because I have the whole picture, the fast draft has given me the whole picture, I can connect things that I wasn't able to when I was drafting. So part of the additional complication of this Earth Singer book four is the connections not only with the previous books, but the novellas. And so I've been in a little bit of turmoil about some issues with the last novella. And so as I've been thinking about 
that and how I'm going to solve certain problems in the novellas, it actually sparked an idea for how to address an issue in book four, which is really nice. So overall, writing is going pretty good. Um, I did receive my copy edits back for Hush of Storm and Sorrow, which is the second novella, which will be coming out in March. I will pick a date sometime soon. Now that I have the edits back, I feel much more confident about putting up a pre-order. I just have to take the time to do that. <laughs> I haven't read through all of the copy edit notes, but uh, they're extensive. My my indie copy editor is extremely thorough. And so there is not a page untouched by her in terms of copy edits, which uh, I, I, I like. Uh, you know, I don't always accept all of them, but I appreciate that you know, her thoroughness and her attention to detail. Uh, kitten update for anyone who wants to know about the kitten. My The new kitten that we just adopted three weeks ago is Stokely. And I had had some concerns about him interacting with our eight-year-old cat, Sterling, who is, you know, kind of prickly. But they are like best friends now. They are always together. They're always having little hug fight play things that cats do. And they're grooming each other. I'm honestly shocked because the only other cat that I've known Sterling to interact with is my nephew cat, my brother's cat, Keith. And Keith and Sterling do not get along. They, we watched Keith for a week and it was chaos. Um, and I think because both Keith and Sterling were street cats, uh, we adopted Sterling at five months and he'd just been on the streets. Keith, my brother's roommate literally drove, like stopped the car and got out and picked him up off the street. Um, I think he had been on the streets for a couple of years at that point. So even though Keith is a little bit more mellow than Sterling, they both have, you know, these backgrounds that for whatever reason don't allow them to get along. But Stokely was still another rescue, but he, um, he had his litter mates. He was rescued and fostered with his litter mates. And so he's had a much more stable, happy life. And he's a very confident cat. So nature versus nurture, it could just be personality, but also environment. And, you know, Stokely has no fear, but he's actually teaching Sterling to be a cat and be playful and be a little bit more confident. And it's so amazing. Cause I was honestly scared that Sterling would just be mean to Stokely. Uh, and then when Stokely got here, I was like, oh, maybe it's the other way around because <laughs> Stokely was chasing the dogs around and chasing Sterling around. But they've, they've uh, fallen into their groove. And, you know, Stokely's always gotten along with our two, our two dogs and he's super confident and super happy. And, uh, yeah. But this is the first time I've had a kitten. I grew up with a series of cats, but they were always older. So anybody with kitten experience, uh, just, <laughs> How do you keep a kitten alive? I'm constantly afraid that this little guy is going to murder himself. He's always climbing into things. He climbed behind the drawer, like the dresser drawer. So that if we had shut the dresser drawer, he would have been crushed. And then he got stuck back there and was crying. And we had to figure out how to get him out. He got lost under the car in the garage and wouldn't come out. And, you know, eventually we just had to leave him there for at least an hour until he decided to come out on his own. But like, he gets, if he gets in the garage and we don't notice for some reason, you know, we could drive away and crush him. He's always underfoot. I'm afraid I'm going to step on him and break his little bones. I'm not sure that we can keep this cat alive, honestly. I'm very scared. So we're like tiptoeing around the house, making sure we don't step on him because he's always underfoot. So yeah, any, any tips for keeping a kitten alive? I'd be grateful. <laughs> I also started reading a little bit again. I hadn't been 
I hadn't read a book probably in three weeks, which is a huge length of time for me. It might have been closer to four because of the deadlines I had in December and, you know, both work and writing and general stress. My mind was just too busy to settle down and read. I have watched a lot more television than I usually do. And that kind of during those times when I feel like my mind is just buzzing, um, that's usually when I sit and binge a show and have to change mediums. Media. Media is technically the plural of medium, but anyway, change media uh, to something visual in order to take a break from things. You know, generally, like 90% of the time, I find my relaxation via books, but there are, you know, these times when my mind is just too busy to read and I cannot sink into the world of a book. And unfortunately, I had been trying to read more from the library. And uh, so I'd had a couple of things that came off hold, like the ebooks, any, any, most of the ebooks I want to read, you know, they're, when I decide I want to read them, they're not available from the library. So I put, put them on hold. And then a couple of weeks later, they come off of hold. And by that time, I'm not in the mood to read them. So I had some books come off hold. Uh, I, I, I did not read them. They went away again. And that's the problem with me. I read so moodily, like my reading material is so mood based that I try to do the library thing, but the timing just is almost never right for me. It works a little bit better with audiobooks because sometimes they're more available. So if I can get the audiobook I want when I want it, then I can, you know, read it. Um, it hasn't been working out for me with the ebooks so far. We'll see if I can. I have an ebook right now that um, I really want to read. It's Holly Black's The Cruel Prince. And I think I have another eight days on it. So I, I started reading again. I started reading some short contemporary romances. I had a couple of anthologies, like Christmas anthologies of, of romances. And those were holding my attention and I could get through them and they were fine. I just don't know if I'm ready to sink into a Holly Black book but I might give it a try and um, see if I can just push through and, and <laughs> if my mind is quiet enough to to sit and enjoy a book like that, like a fantasy book. Oh, I also wanted to give a shout out to my one of my Christmas presents. It's a self-warming mug called the Ember, and it also comes with an app. So I'd, I kept seeing these ads online for it. And my mother demanded our Christmas lists by Thanksgiving, and I'm not organized at all. So I had I had made a few notes of things that I saw that might be cool to have, and so I just I sent her you know a couple of gadgets. And I love gadgets. If you are not aware, I am a gadget file. I actually only started my business making websites so that I could have extra money on the side to buy gadgets, specifically a head mounted display. So this was I think I was in grad school when I first started freelancing, uh, making websites. And, you know, it was like the early 2000s. My graduate degree is in multimedia. And it's um, an interdisciplinary degree. So it's part computer science, part art, part business. We were all about ubiquitous computing back then. And I really wanted to buy a head mounted display, which is just, I guess nowadays, it would be like an Oculus Rift or it was just, but this was an early, early version that you just stuck on your head and it had just a, the regular video uh, import. So instead of watching a video on TV, you were watching it on these like glasses that you put on your face. So yeah, I, 
I started the business originally for, for that reason, and uh, which it became, you know, my main form, form of income and my main form of employment over the years. Anyway, gadgets. So I asked for this warming mug that has an app. And um, it's really cool because it keeps your tea, it keeps my tea warm the whole time. The last sip is just as hot as the first, which is a crazy experience when you're not used to it. But it also tells me the exact temperature of my tea. So it, the, the app will give me a notification when my tea has reached 138 degrees, which is the optimal drinking temperature that I set. I'm just in love with it. I probably wouldn't have spent the money to buy it on my own, but it being a gift is uh, really lovely. So if you are in the market for a warming mug and you have a birthday or some sort of holiday coming up that is gift-related... I, I recommend the Ember warming mug and app. I also saw an interesting tweet about um, introversion. And I kind of want to dig more into the, any research and studies about this. It is, I'll link to it in the show notes. It says, introverts are not shy. I know that, but thinking, but new thinking and MRIs consider their brain to be wired such that their brains have difficulty processing different noises at once. This is what causes the dislike of noisy places and retreat to quiet. It's posited that this could cause introverts that suffer concussions to be much more noise sensitive during recover and forever after, which I was slash am. And I also agree with that um, tweeter. <laughs> I definitely have a, have a difficulty processing multiple noises, something that my husband does not. So he will have the television on and then he'll be watching something different on his phone and he'll be trying to talk to me at the same time. And I'm like, I cannot listen to all of these things. Two of them have to go before I can even comprehend what you're saying. Um, and I, I do wonder about how much of the energy drain of being around a lot of other people is just processing the noise and trying to uh, filter it out so that you can actually hear what's going on. We had family game night last night, uh, something that we're something new that my family's doing. And we played, I think I mentioned this game before, uh, Heads Up, I think is what it's called. And so, you know, you slid into teams and one person, it's a, it's a, it's on the phone, but there's probably a, a physical version of it too. And the, uh, the person like would hold up the phone to their forehead and there's a word there and your team is trying to get you to guess what's there, but they can't say the word. So my team was uh, six people. So I'm sitting there and there's five people shouting at me, you know, the clues. And I'm looking back and forth and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And and it's only when there's a gap and one person talks at a time and I can actually listen and process. And I'm, that's probably, I mean, maybe that's just an auditory thing that non-introverts would experience as well. But it was just, it's completely overwhelming. And I did have a concussion when I was young. I was about seven and I fell off my bike and hit my head on a pipe sticking out of the ground. And I actually lost my sight for a few hours and um, then it came back. And so I was already like violently introverted. But if there is some sort of connection between concussions and noise sensitivity, I mean, that's really interesting. So the tweet didn't link to any research, but I was going to Google it. I haven't done it yet. I'm. It's interesting to me. Um. You know, like the different ways that people's brains work and that they, that their personalities work and how much of that is connected. I think that stuff is fascinating. And also, you know, because we, as writers creating characters and um, learning about all the different ways that, you know, things can be expressed in people and people's reactions to things and why is always helpful and is always intriguing to me. So I thought that was a, a cool little thing to dig into some more. The RWA thing is continuing, 
And I don't want to talk about it because it's just, it gets worse and worse every time I see something. Um, I will just say that I'll link to a tweet from Courtney Milan about possible roads forward, because the more that happens, the less confident I am. I don't want to say that. The more that happens, the more I see exactly how much work it will be to save the RWA and to rebuild that trust. I mean, I always knew it would be an incredible effort, but the way that they're digging in the the current board, the current president, the current staff is just really just more disheartening every day. And the things that are being said by the board members on private forums and it's 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 really disheartening. My membership doesn't um, doesn't need to be renewed until August. I thought it was November, but it's actually August. And I'm committed to seeing what happens until then. And that's hopefully long enough to, you know, get this train back on the rails. But but it's a lot of work. It will be a lot of work. It just opens up all sorts of cans of worms that I, I can't really talk about right now. But it's exhausting even thinking about it, you know. Um, and and then you're at, you. I look at the benefit that it has given, and um, as much giving back as I've done up to this point. When does that balance come out of balance? You know, like when is it not worth it to do the work? I, I don't know. I could just be in a in a low moment right now, but that's what I'm thinking about. And I've seen people saying things like, well, just leave RW, just leave RWA to the racists. And as exhausted as I am by the thought of what's needed, there's also $3 million at stake. There's also all of the money from all of the individual chapters who would have to disaffiliate and as it stands now would have to give their money to nationals before doing so. So, like leaving it to the racists or, you know, whatever you want to call the people that are there and digging their heels in. Um, like that feels also like not the right move. There've been calls to join CIFWA. I, I, I don't think if I end up leaving RWA, I doubt that I would join any other organization. If my local chapter disaffiliates, um, I would likely stay, stay with them. But, um, I don't see myself joining SIFWA. Maybe NINC, people have been talking about NINC, and I've heard that that conference is great. NINC is Novelists, Inc. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I do not know. So that's all for me for this week. My goals are to continue working on Earth Singer Book 4, do the copy edits, review the copy edits for Hush of Storm and Sorrow, the second novella, and at least start thinking about marketing it. And that will, it's probably enough. That will take up enough of my time. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you have a wonderful week and that your new year is off to a fantastic start. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more podcasts on books and bookish things, check out frolic.media slash podcasts.